It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Spurs Cast, episode 613. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs founder Michael DeLeon. In this episode, Mike and I will discuss the Spurs' loss of the playing game to the Memphis Grizzlies, the early dates to watch for the offseason, and we'll review how the team performed this season and on offense and defense. Let's go to get started. Mike, how have you been? I'm good. You know, the season ended and everything, and I know it should probably be like some like dark, gloomy like outlook, but it was kind of like... It was, it, if it didn't happen in playing, it was going to happen uh, in the next game after that, I felt like. So the chests were kind of slim then, so I kind of been ready for that. But, you know, on the right side, summer is almost here, uh, even though it's raining like crazy still. And so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and, and speaking of Memphis, who, who who knocked out the Spurs, I mean, they they didn't just knock out the Spurs, they knocked out the Warriors, and then also you and I recorded yeah. this on a Monday evening, uh, they also beat uh, Utah in Game 1 to open that series at 1 versus 8, so yeah, Memphis has been just rolling here, and so yeah, yeah. so it, it obviously, you know, they've been a good team that the Spurs faced uh, so far, so let's go ahead and uh, jump right into this episode, Mike, um, let's first begin with obviously talking about what you and I just mentioned, the play-in tournament, uh, where the Spurs this season did come to an end, um, you know, this took place uh, on, on Wednesday last week. The uh, this is this is the type of game where they almost made the comeback. So so the Spurs, you know, did the same thing that they've done all season, where they fall behind by double digits. They actually fall behind by twenty one early in this game. They came back to build a two point lead with six fifty five left. They had a chance here, but then Memphis outscored them for the remainder of that game, uh, nineteen thirteen. So they did hold on for that very gritty win, one hundred ninety six. It was a, it was a very defensive oriented game for both of these teams. Not a lot of threes going up and and, and shots being made. Uh, just come give me some of your thoughts on that game. You know, it, it's if if you're a believer in like momentum, I mean, they're coming in that game off of like a four-game losing streak, and so it didn't look good to begin with. And they had struggled at points, and it just it just so happened that you know Dylan Brooks always has Demar Derozan's number, and that's like the guy that the Spurs turn to a lot of times when they need buckets. And so mm-hmm. when he was struggling, that kind of to me that read as okay, that that's definitely troubling that they couldn't get him going. 
Um, the sort of good things to, that came out of this, I think we saw DeJounte Murray play at a different level, and, and it kind of, I think, it, you know, if you watched it, you can kind of see, you know, where DeJounte and Lonnie and a few of the other players have taken steps forward, and then I think once they get Derek White back next year, I mean, this could have been a different game with Derek White in there, especially on defense, so, you know, I think that's something to, to look, you know, towards the future for, um, for sure, but, I mean, Memphis is just... It's like you just said. I mean, they're on, you know, they they won both playing games, and now they they pretty much kind of upset the Jazz in that first game. They just seem to be on a roll, and, and that's a tough team. I remember when I was looking at them to preview this uh, that game, uh, it just seemed like you, that that was definitely trouble. Aside from John Morant, I mean, Jaron Jackson, the Spurs hadn't seen him all year, and they're getting him, and uh, you know, like Brooks as well, and and Kyle Anderson, who the Spurs know well. Mm-hmm. You know, came in big in, in different moments, and and then, you know, uh, Alex just seemed just played really well. So it was just all kind of equal up to you know, uh, for them to fight back was was good considering everything that they faced. Yeah, for sure. And for me, it was kind of disappointing at the beginning, just because you know I had I had noted on the Spurs cast and after doing the research that like Memphis is isn't a team that that um, takes a lot of threes or you know they don't make yeah. a lot of threes. So like you know when the Spurs, anytime they play a team that's like that where they're a very low volume three, three three point shooting team like them, San Antonio's gonna have a chance. And so for the Spurs to go down twenty one look like a blowout, I was like, oh come on, that's not gonna hold up. But then um you know you saw that Memphis kind of regressed back to who they are in the second, third, and fourth quarters where you know it was like them and the Spurs were just weren't taking a lot of threes. And so yeah, so then that's why San Antonio ended up you know at the end of the day they ended up having a chance to win this game just obviously they couldn't pull it out so yeah so that that kind of shows again though that if the spurs can kind of be there with, with the team at the three-point line they're going to be able to hang in there and, and have a, possibly have a chance to win so you know the spurs the season did officially come to an end with that loss um and so now uh let, let's just talk about some, some off-season dates here and then also the end of the regular season some things to watch so the first thing to watch is um uh, on tuesday the um the the, the nba is going to do the coin flip for the 11th uh where you're going to basically not pick but where you're going to be in the lottery uh whether you're going to be 11th or 12th and this is going to uh, go down between the spurs and the charlotte hornets so I mean, that's Charlotte. Yeah, is it Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. So yeah. the Spurs. Exactly I don't know. Hornets. I was about to say Bobcats. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Anyway, so yeah, the Spurs and, and Bobcats. I mean, not Bobcats. Hornets. They'll flip and they'll see who gets to be um, 11th in, in lottery um, odds, or, and then who's 12th. So, so that's kind of something to keep an eye on on Tuesday. And then you know we have the whole off season to talk, really dive, uh, dive deep into you know free agents and restricting free agency and all this stuff and, and maybe different kind of trade packages and things like that. So so we're really just going to do here is just kind of look at the the overall picture of what what's what are the important off season dates to watch as. as we kind of, now that the Spurs are officially in, in the offseason. So the first uh, big date here is, is June 22nd. That's the actual uh, NBA draft lottery. As we know, we know the Spurs will either be in that 11th or 12th slot, so we'll see exactly you know, what kind of... Um what their odds end up being, uh, you know, where they end up in the actual lottery. Then um, seven days later, uh, not, I mean, sorry, not seven days later, the following month on July 29th, um, uh, it's the NBA draft uh, and it, it, honestly, I think the, the the lottery might be J- July 22nd. I might have just wrote that date wrong. So it's either July or June 22nd. So And then it's the NBA draft on the 29th. We know the Spurs will have a first-round lottery pick uh, as long as they don't trade that pick. Um, and then some players to keep an eye on for contract dates. Uh, Daquan Jeffries, who they, who they just claimed off the, off the waiver list we talked about last week on the Spurs cast, who has a $1.7 million team option next offseason. Uh, his, his date for the team to waive him or keep him on the roster is August 1st. Uh, also, that is the last date for the Spurs to extend DeMar DeRozan to a contract extension 
extension by August 1st. So if they don't extend him to a four-year or you know or, or less kind of deal, well, then he, he does become an unrestricted free agent officially um, after July 1st. Then, of course, as we know, on, on August 2nd, uh, free agency officially begins. Uh, and this is important because um, the Spurs would need to, if they want to make uh, Quindary Weatherspoon and Keita Bates jobs, they're both their um, two-way players. If they want to make them both uh, restricted free agents, they would have to tender them a qualifying offer before that August 2nd deadline. And then we know that on August 2nd, um, as long as the Spurs don't, don't sign DeRozan to a contract extension, then, then DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, Trey Lyles, and Gorgie Jang all become unrestricted free agents on July 2nd. Uh, not July, August 2nd, should I say. And then also, um, the Spurs have until August 20th to um, decide whether or not they're going to um, keep Drew Eubanks on the team for next season or if they're going to waive him because he has a non-guaranteed, a partially guaranteed deal uh, for next offseason. So, so what, what, um, was there anything there that you wanted to comment on? Well, oh, so f- uh, you had it right. It's June 22nd for the draft lottery. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of key dates in there. And I think the DeRozan one is, is definitely important because it seems like the fan base is kind of split down the middle right now at this point as to whether they, you know, want to see him extended or, or you know, possibly see what else they can get in free agency and things like that. So that'll be interesting to watch the draft also. Um, you know, I mean, that right now it seems like players, players are moving up and down like on a daily basis so it's kind of like hard mm-hmm. to even pick like who who they'd even select from but uh just keep an eye on ben's coverage uh because he'll i'm sure he'll he'll be finalizing his list and he's also going to be doing a live stream uh during the draft on that day so yeah i mean it, it kind of gets interesting definitely in the off season. i mean obviously the season's like the prime time but the off season gets a little crazy and, and it gets busy so i'm um, looking forward to it yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, that was something I wasn't uh, quite aware of, the, the part about DeRozan. You know, they have a chance still to, while this offseason is going on, to actually extend him. And that was something Bobby Marks recently wrote up, is that the Spurs can give him a four-year deal um, up to, I forgot what the, what the amount of money was, but that's that's interesting. You know, the Spurs basically, before he become, becomes an unrestricted free agent, they basically have their last chance to see if they want to try to, you know, work with him without an extension. And that, again, that's up to him. That's up to the organization. If that's the route they want to go. I don't think it is just because I feel like if that was the route they wanted to go, they would have already done that by now. But maybe, who knows, maybe they wanted to see how far this team went this year and maybe they feel like DeRozan's still an integral piece who can really help this, this young core develop so maybe you know we'll see what happens again so that that's interesting that they basically have that August 1st deadline and then of course if they don't sign him to an extension then on August 2nd the Spurs can still re-sign him you know they still have his bird rights and things like that so, so there's still a way to to keep DeRozan if that's if that's what the team wants to and if that's what DeRozan wants so what we're going to do here Spurs cast listeners is Mike and I are just going to kind of just Talk about you know put put the season in review now that we, now that we know that it's over you know exactly what what was this team really good at you know where were they top ten in certain stats and, and things like that and then what where did, where do they need some improvement and again something to keep in mind is that like I mentioned a, a lot of the players that that may not be back on the team are DeRozan um, Rudy Gay Patty Mills they, these are players that were part of this core you know they were in the rotation nightly for Coach Pop and so some of these stats that we're going to go through you know a lot, some of the maybe these players had a huge impact on these stats so so if they leave well then obviously you know that that could maybe that that's that's a whole new um, open window into into to this team uh, for that sp- particular area of the floor so let's first begin with the the area of the floor that the Spurs were best on this season that was on defense this team made a made a dramatic improvement defensively I know that you know um, they ended up being league average as far as 15th uh, for overall because of you know how, how the, the end of the season uh, played out but you know for the majority of the season we could say they were about a nine to t- they were like a top 10 defense like nine ten they were there for the majority of the season so let's first begin Mike with their strengths again we're, these are all top 10 with the Spurs um, rank 
uh, on on defense. Um, you know, they were really good um, about just playing their system, about not putting teams on the free throw line. Um, so basically, opponent free throw rate was very low. The, uh, you see the the impact that Jakob Perto has made this year with opponent accuracy in the restricted areas. Teams really struggled to finish. You know, when they got into the restricted area against Jakob Perto being there, uh, and so the Spurs were, were very good there. They were actually fourth. Um, they were good. They finally figured this out because for the majority of the season they were kind of struggling with this one stat. It was forcing teams to take mid range jumpers. The Spurs were kind of like in that like that league average or like 18th kind of kind of range for the majority of the season. But then by the by the time that the season wrapped up, these last few weeks they've actually got into ninth in forcing teams to take mid range jumpers. And obviously you want to do that if you're a defense because that's that's the least fit that's the least efficient shot out on the court. Um, they were actually eighth in limiting opponent three point attempts for the season. So I, I know that three the, the three point defense is an issue, but it's hard as far as volume. The Spurs did a pretty good job of not letting teams take that many um, threes against them. But uh, the, the downside though is that teams attack the paint. As I'm going to get into it a little bit, and then also. Um, they were pretty good. They were sixth according to cleaning the glass of just making teams, um, you know, try to execute in the half court. They didn't let them get out and run a lot. And we also see this with the, with the frequency of plays and transition for um, opponents uh, per cleaning the glass. The Spurs were fourth there and not allowing teams to get out and run on them. So, so again, transition defense was good, not putting teams on the free throw line, um, having good rim protection, at least when teams got in there. And then, again, forcing a lot of mid-range jumpers. Um, so so what, were some, what were some things you noticed there about their strengths this season on defense? You know, what surprised me the most is, is – um when you noted about limiting opponent three-point attempts because that obviously is something you had addressed I remember uh, it must have been probably about a month ago at least and or even before that but it seemed like that kind of went as Derek White's you know minutes or Mm -hmm. or, or his injury you know when like whenever he was playing that shot up their, their, their perimeter defense was so much better and then with him being out obviously um, that number wasn't as good, but I mean, it, for them to finish eighth, I, I didn't expect that one at all. And just also, it, you know, forcing them to execute in half court, that just seems, that's just making them play basically Spurs basketball mm-hmm. and not allowing teams that run or that like to run, uh, you know, to do that. And they actually slowed them down quite a bit. So that that's definitely interesting to see those figures. Yeah, and again, like they're they're just getting back. So I feel like the system's finally working. Like the players are communicating. You know, it just every, they're buying into the old ways of like you know the, the 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 former Spurs teams used to have. You know, when they were having top ten defenses, where where like I said, you know, they have the tenets there of like you know not putting teams in the free throw line and not letting them run on them and things like that. So so that's what you see. It's slowly starting to develop. But obviously, you know, there is some room for improvement here. And so so now we're going to go into the areas where they were the, in the bottom ten on defense. Um, so so this this first one is more so a product of their system. It's not necessarily that the players did anything wrong in this part. And that's in steals. You know, they don't. They just don't create a lot of turnovers for for opponents, but that's also because their defense is more of a um, very very um, conservative one. We you know they're not they're not you know Coach Pop doesn't want them out there gambling too much. So obviously um, you know we we know players like like Dejounte Murray, um, uh, Devin Vassell, and Rudy Gay that they were pretty good about just creating um, um, turnovers from the opponent on their own. They're, they're just really good about that. But the other players you know really didn't do that. But again, so again, it's more so more a product of the Spurs' system on defense why they don't create make teams uh, have a lot of steals. I mean why they don't create a lot of steals against the opponents. Uh, they were twenty first in the points off turnover. So again, this is more so. Uh, again, part, partly because they're just not—they're not an aggressive defense where they're where they're forcing teams into turnovers. But also, you know, once you know, I had a stat um, on our on our game tracker this year, and they they really didn't make teams. I mean, they, they didn't really cash in on on those turnovers they got. A lot of times they couldn't finish out on fast breaks. You know, they just didn't execute them well. I remember broadcast after broadcast, Sean Elliott kind of made comments about that uh, for, for this, these young players out out on the breaks. So that so that was something that you know maybe they can improve on is is cashing in on those turnovers whenever the opponent turns the ball over. Um, 
you know, even though they were good about, you know, uh, holding the teams to low accuracy in the restricted area, they, they teams still attacked them, you know, you know a mm-hmm. lot, a lot of dribble penetration. Um, they were 28th in, in opponent's attempts at the rim, according to cleaning the glass. They were 26th in opponent points in the paint. So, again, like I said, teams just got into the paint a lot. And maybe that's the reason why we saw less threes against uh, uh, opponents, because, you know, they were getting to the paint against the Spurs. Um, you know, this was not too concerning. They were 26th in opponent mid-range accuracy. So, so even though teams did take a lot of mid-rangers against them, they actually made them pretty well. But again, teams, you know, you, you still want teams taking the mid-range shot more than anything. Uh, this is the more concerning one, the three-point defense. And we, we talked about this all year. You know, they were 23rd overall in, in opponent three-point accuracy. So even though they were good about not allowing that many attempts, the, um, the accuracy was still a problem. And a lot of teams got a lot of wide-open threes against them. 53% of opponent threes attempted this season were um, off, off wide-open ones. And, and the things that come to mind to me are, you know, bad rotations on defense, um, you know, too easy dri- dribble penetration, uh, too easy. Yeah, like I mentioned, uh, teams just drove and kicked, driving kick against them. Uh, and then they were 21st in, in half-court defense. Um, you know, so even though they made the teams play slower and get into the half-court, they actually didn't execute well the Spurs. Teams could still kind of use the pick and roll to kind of pick them apart if they needed to. And then also they were 23rd in opponent's uh, uh, opponent points uh, per play on putbacks according to clean the glass and again this is more so that issue with rebounding some, some nights the Spurs really had trouble on the boards and so we saw that with the, with the um, opponents getting those putbacks uh, so so what are your some of your uh, thoughts on, on the defense uh, the areas for improvement yeah I mean I think this just kind of like validates a little bit of some of the thoughts I had um, at different points this season I felt like Jakobson got a lot of blame for some things and and uh, you know especially in the paint but it seemed like those it seemed like the defense was getting beat a lot of times on like a simple pick and roll, and mm-hmm. the uh, defender, usually guard, would lose uh, whoever was driving, and so it really put Jakob in a position where does he stay home on his tire or does he guard the the driver? And mm-hmm. it it's a, that's a tough situation because obviously you can make an easy pass and find the open guy, so he has to make a choice every time, and that seemed to be an issue. And so that's why I think that that number is so low, and so. Um, I think just just uh, you know making a decision on going over or going behind the screen and just trying to stay on on your on, on the driver or or just being more vocal out there with um, you know asking for help and things like that could help those things. So that that's uh, definitely something I saw because I felt like you know aside from that, I mean Yaku, I thought he had a really good season. I, I saw some improvement in his game, and so. Wow, when you look at the raw numbers, it looks like, you know, obviously he got scored on a lot, but it, it, it's because of that. It's because a lot of times he was forced to, to kind of choose who he's going to defend once the a driver came came to yeah, and, and just um, you know, a player who reminds me of all these stats kind of, kind of combined here, uh, the good and the bad. It was uh, John Morant just recently. You know, in those prior three games when the Spurs played him, uh, you know, you know, defended him in the regular season, he kind of just carved them up and got wherever he wanted to against them. And then in this last game, the playing game, uh, he kind of had a, not an off night, but you know, he kind of struggled a little bit. The Spurs did a really good job of not letting him get in deep inside the paint and kind of just picking the, their defense apart. And so I think that's the reason why they had a chance at the end of the day to, to win that game because they kind of not slowed down job. You know, they, they, they made a tough night for him and they did really well there about limiting his dribble penetration against them uh, in, in that playing game. So again, they, they, there's some signs there that this team has it has it there. Maybe, you know, another year, uh, the majority of the wing players will be back. Again, the only two that might leave are, are DeRozan and Patty Mills. So, you know, we, you could see, you know, Devin Vassell back for sure and Lonnie Walker and Kelton Johnson, all these players and Derek White and, and DeJounte Murray. So maybe, you know, after a year together, maybe those those younger players can maybe get a little bit better in communication and maybe cutting off the, the, the opponents uh, from that dribble penetration like you mentioned there, especially on the pick and roll. Um. 
Now let's move on to the area where the Spurs, you know, really struggled this year, and that was on offense. You know, they really, they really just struggled on offense as a whole. It's, it's even tough just to find top, top ten areas. They really don't have many this year. I mean, it, it, it was just a, a tough year for them offensively. Um, so, so the first part is, um, you know, turnover. The, the, first, let's talk about their strengths. You know, turnover percentage. They were excellent. You know, this team really took care of the ball. They were second in the league in turnover percentage. Uh, the, the ball handlers, um, you know, just didn't turn it over. And, and their, their three lead ball handlers this year were Dejounte Murray, Demar Derozan, and Derek White. And so, a, a good sign there is that you know, even if Derozan leaves again you know Dejounte is a really good point guard about taking care of the ball so is Derek um you know whether he's playing off the bar or he's the primary ball handler so again this is a team that that really knows how to take care of the ball and that's a, that's a core part of coach pop's system you know he wants to make sure that the, that the team's not beating themselves on offense and then of course um, um this this team was very accurate from the mid-range um they ended up being fourth in mid-range accuracy. And so some players that come to mind, obviously, that we know that take the, the majority of their mid-range shots and, and who were pretty accurate were, were DeJounte Murray and DeRozan. Uh, they're both two really good shooters from mid-range. Uh, obviously, we know that DeRozan could end up leaving. But, you know, aside from that, you know, there's not many other top 10 areas on offense. So did you have any comments about either the turnover percentage or the mid-range accuracy? I mean, I, I guess it's just good to see that the turnover percentage because that just tells you that, you know, for sure, Murray and White are, are guys that they can definitely trust with the ball. And, uh, you know, there, I, I know there's been some criticism about them being two-point guards, especially in DeJounte's case, but I feel like he's kind of, like, uh, proved any of those, like, when they say it was wrong, he's, he's done really well with, with the ball handling and not turning the ball over and actually creating turn, turnovers on the other end. So that's a, a good stat to see. Yeah, for sure. So again, like, like I mentioned, there's not many strengths for this team on offense, you know, coming back. So this is something where this is obviously the area where the front office is probably going to look for a lot more because they have a good foundation there defensively. You know, you know, they, they said that was their strength. So the offense is where the, the, the front office is really going to have to make uh, find some improvement and the players individually have to make some development here on the offensive end. So so there was a lot of, there was multiple areas where they were in, in the bottom 10 on offense. Um, first of all, just taking that that non-restricted area shot that those little floaters, you know, that's a very inaccurate shot. The Spurs were fifth in, in taking that amount of shots. So a lot of that was led by DeMar DeRozan, um, Drew Eubanks, Yaka Pertle, and, and DeJounte Murray. So again, Eubanks, Pertle, and Murray are probably going to be back next season. You know, DeRozan, again, we'll see if he, if he returns. They were, obviously, we know this part, you know, we talk about it every every last three or four seasons now. They were first in mid-range attempts again, you know, even though it felt like they were going to shoot more threes at the beginning, they, they ended up, did, they, they didn't do that after all. So they were first again in the league in, in mid-range attempts. And this is with LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, being waived or, or yeah, being, being off the team midway through the season. So obviously we know that that's not an efficient shot. Um, the leaders there were, were DeRozan, um, DeJounte Murray, Rudy Gay, and then also Devin Vassell really likes that mid-range jumper. He's, he, that's, that's a part of his game that he likes to take if, if, if teams run him off the three-point line. Um, they were obviously, you know, with, with being first in mid-range, but then that means that you're going to struggle. You're not going to take many threes. So, yes, that was that was a big issue this year. Was They were just 30th in three-point attempts overall. And we know that, you know, the, out of their core players who play minutes, you know, a lot of this, two of their players just don't shoot threes at all, and that's that's Jakob Perto and, and Drew Eubanks. And then, of course, we know that, um, you know, DeRozan doesn't take many threes. DeJounte Murray doesn't take many, neither does Kelton Johnson. And so, you know, two players, uh, so the four of those five players could end up being back on this team, if, if, you know, if DeRozan's the one who ends up um, leaving in the offseason. And we know that, you know, losing Bryn Forbes, and Marco Bellinelli, this team really, their accuracy, we saw a huge decline, even though, you know, they got better defensively, yes, but also there was a decline on offense with the three-point shooting accuracy. They fell to 24th this year. And, um, you know, uh, Patty Mills shot well from three. Um, um, so did Rudy Gay. So did, so did Lonnie Walker the fourth. Uh, the players who kind of struggled, uh, and so did um, 
uh, Derek White as well when he was when he was healthy. The players who shot below thirty five percent, which was the team average, the, the ones that struggled were, were DeRozan, which we know he doesn't take many, uh, Dejounte Murray and Kelton. So Dejounte has already commented on how that's one thing he definitely wants to work on. He had commented one time after a game that he wants to lock himself in a gym this coming off season and really work on his three ball on his accuracy. So that's something that you know he and Kelton know that you know te- teams are leaving them open. So so that's thing they're they're gonna have to work on. Uh, this team was also 30th, dead last in, in wide open threes uh, per game, 26th in wide open three percentage. So again, this is why defenses, you know, back off them. They really, they really uh, um, um, collapse in the paint because you know they can afford to do that. Defenses because this team is 26th in wide open three point percentage. Um, they were 21st in shots at the rim. Um, the players who were below league average for their position, uh, according to cleaning the glass and, and taking shots at the rim, were DeRozan, uh, Dejounte Murray, Derek White, uh, Vassell, uh, Patty Mills, and Rudy Gay. So we know that you know for sure Dejounte, Derek, and Vassell are coming back next year. Uh, and then lastly, they were 21st in um, shooting at, and finishing at the rim. So accuracy, it's hard as far as you know how accurate are you at finishing at, at the rim um, per cleaning the glass. Uh, this is these are the players that were below league average at their position. That was Rudy Gay, um, Drew Eubanks, um, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, Keldon Johnson, Patty Mills, Derek White, and DeRozan. So again, the players to watch there are, are Eubanks, Walker. Uh, Keldon and Derek White because those four players could be back next year. So I know it's a lot of information there. So what what do you want to say about some of that? Those, uh, just those the things? wide open threes is the one. It's it's obviously alarming because even if you get a good look and they're not going down, that's obviously mm-hmm. troubling. So I think they might need to address that in free agency. And I've I've talked about having some you know a vet three point shooter, maybe someone like a JJ Redick, but not with the JJ Redick price tag or something like that. Yeah, be good because um yeah I mean. That's putting a lot of pressure on, and especially if two of those players leave. Yeah, putting a lot mm-hmm. of pressure on Lonnie Walker, really, because then he's like the one of your yeah one remaining point shooters. Yeah, uh, he and Derek would be like the only two in it. Yeah, yeah like you're exactly. right. And, but even Derek wasn't like you know quite there with those wide open threes before he got hurt. He wasn't quite at his normal accuracy. I think, I think you're 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 completely right there. And that's the uh, I, I think um uh, who uh, Colin Reed's been on to something about maybe them looking at, at uh, Duncan Robinson from the Heat because you oh, know yeah. as as Ben and I Ben and I spoke about this a few weeks ago. We were talking about either the draft or free agency about adding three point shooting. It's like you gotta you gotta kind of realize you know there's no perfect three and D player out there. You're gonna have to lose some defense most likely if you end up going after shooting. Like like even mentioned it, you you said somebody like JJ right like you're going to lose some defense there so like yeah like i think that's just kind of the the give and take you know that's the reason why we saw that yes this team made a dramatic improvement defensively when they lost uh, brent forbes and marco bellinelli but we also saw that at the three-point line you know they really uh, um lost some there what about um what about uh the, the, some of the players the younger players finishing at the rim i feel like that's something they can improve on as well yeah but you know and you know i've, I've kind of seen that seems like over the years it seems like even i remember Lonnie walker seemed to have a lot of trouble finishing at the rim and he seems to have uh fixed whatever that issue was so i mean they'll they'll definitely do that i mean i think kelvin johnson always looks to finish at the rim so uh we'll probably see more of that unless they really make a concerted effort to defend that and part of that too is kind of what you said. You know, if they can improve the three point shooting, well, then that's going to open, um, you know, yeah. more more paths to the lane. I know that that's one thing the defense did by like February. They just start, they completely started collapsing on the Spurs, and they were just basically because they knew that they were struggling from three, and so that makes it harder for like DeRozan to penetrate and, and Dejounte and Kelton. So I think that's another thing. You know, if they can address the three point shooting with well, them, maybe it opens up uh, that the, the, the paint there for them. To, to you know, they still attack no matter what, but the thing is to be a little bit more efficient when they do that. Um, so, so thanks again, uh, Spurscast listeners, for listening to this episode. Uh, don't forget to visit productspurs.com. You know, we're, we're in full off-season mode, so make sure you check out the site. Uh, we also have a, a promotional event um, coming up here. So, so as I mentioned last week, um, we have the Sabotage Res- Wrestling Presents, the Thrill of It All Live. It's on Sunday, June 13th at 5 o'clock. It's in San Antonio. So it's at the Vibes Event Center, uh, 1211 East Houston Street, San Antonio, Texas, 78205. If you want to visit their website, it's Sabotage. 
um, dash wrestling.com. And again, here at the Spurs cast, we're, we're offering a promotion here. Um, if, if you, if you, um, quote tweet this episode when it goes out, uh, with, with our, with our, with our Twitter, um, uh, handle at Project Spurs, uh, we'll, we'll randomly pick, um, three winners to get, who get two tickets each. So again, if you're into wrestling, this is, this is a cool event, uh, that's coming up here on June 13th from our, our friends over at, at uh, Sabotage Wrestling. Um, so thanks again to Mike for joining me here on the Spurs cast and also for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at Project Spurs. Stay safe and have a great day.